This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast illuminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. Our guests today, we're really uh, we're honored and excited to welcome Doug Shapiro. Doug is VP of Research and Insights at OFS, a sustainable office furniture manufacturer, and a podcast host. Doug, I'm going to segue right over to you to sh- share a little bit a little bit about yourself as well sure. as being a podcast host. Sure. Thanks, Tom. Uh, well, first, it's great to join you here. Uh, it's nice to be with you in the in the cloud and and podcasting with another podcaster. So uh, I've, I got my start at OFS 18 years ago, and uh, I've done a number of things there. A big part of my early career was in product design, and what happened as I engaged and learned about product design was, and as you know this in design, you start with the context. You start to understand the context of which that product will exist in. I became much more interested in the context than the actual product. Uh, which kind of led me to this career path, which eventually ended up in research and insights. Uh, and so that's what I get to do now. I get to spend my time out in the context of the products that OFS manufactures. And uh, that's what my passion is. So I get to explore that through Imagine a Place. And then we have a network of podcasts now that kind of uh, surround Imagine a Place. You've, we've got the Resilience Lab, which explores resilience. We've got one on sustainability called Break Some Dishes. And then we have the skill set, which is hosted by Cheryl Durst, that explores kind of the skills that we have in our lives. It's fun. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, Doug, we were talking before the show. You, we traditionally start our show with if you have a quote or a mantra or prayer that matters much to you. But I'll segue into what we were talking about before we got on air is how design, well, I, I reached a little bit quoting someone, I don't know who said it, but design could save the world. But we talked about the importance of design in people's lives. If you don't mind, share with your audience today what uh, design means to you and to who you work for, work with, and serve. Yeah, design to me um, starts with asking the right questions. And I really have become fascinated with the power of questions. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like when we're seeking answers, we're really actually just trying to find the right question to ask. And design thinking can put us in that headspace. So if there's a question that right now piques my interest more than any question, it would be, can we get as good at creative work as we've become at knowledge work? And that is the question that I have been a little obsessed with over the last six months 
And so it's fun to explore that question with other designers and creatives and workplace thinkers. You mentioned that uh, I like you, you, your use of the word explore. I have a, a belief, and I can share with you if you're interested a little later why it came about, but the discovery may be more, even more impacting than the creativity. And that discovery is asking questions is, in effect, a uh, magnifying glass on the, the problem. What's your thought? Yeah, I like that. Um, so a magnifying glass shows you things that you wouldn't see with the plain eye, right? I think a question, a great question does the same thing, right? It, it, um, it allows you to maybe see something differently for the first time. And the, uh, oh, there was a great quote I heard something. It was like, um, innovation lives in the what ifs. And I love that. And, you know, kids, they ask hundreds of questions every day, you know, they are in that space. And so when you get, when you get older, you stop exploring the questions, slow down, man, that's when we should really be asking more questions. Right. And, uh, and so there is kind of like an inner kid that I think, I think we have to rediscover, uh, and, and just kind of keep sparked as, as we, as we grow through our creative careers. That the questions slow down. I've not ever heard it put that way, but yeah, the questions do slow down because there's a sense of, uh, well, I'll just say from my perspective, ego says you want to know you, that you have the answers or that you think you know. So if you're able to sidestep your ego or just completely <laughs> eliminate it, you're, you're, you have that sense of curiosity. What's your thought on that? Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the the nature of asking questions um, also comes from this sense of wonder. Like you have to, like we might we might have the question in our head, but never ask it. And I, I do feel like there's a there is a formalness and seriousness that we embrace as you get older. Um, there's a, so here's another stats that different kids from adults. I, this one I got from a back of a Snapple cap. Okay. This was, uh, <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Yeah. This was like ki kids laugh something like 50 to 80 times a day and adults. It was, I mean, the number was ridiculously low. It was like 10 to 20. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what happens? You know? And laughter, I feel like there's a, a serious connection between laughter and creativity and laughter and wonder, right? Because laughter often happens when we're surprised by something. And so, um, you know, we have to find our way back into that space. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this right back into the question I started with, which was how do we get as good at creativity as we've become at knowledge work? Knowledge is about the exchange of information, right? It's about efficiency. It's about teaching information, storing information. Um, creativity is much more about the curiosity, right? It's about the questions. Uh, laughter, I think, plays a big part in that. I was actually asked recently on a panel, what if I could measure anything for the workplace, what would the new metric be? 
right? And to me, that metric would be, you know, there was a lot of great answers to that question. There was like return on engagement or something like that, right? It is laughter. Like if you could measure laughter, what would that show you? First, I, I, I think it shows you overall mental health of your workforce. I mean, if you, it, it, laughter is essential to humanity. If you go a week without it, during your work days, boy, that, that tells you something, right? Um, it's healthy, physically healthy. I mean, the, the serotonins it releases, you know, the, the feeling that you, that you get. And then I also think it shows like a, a culture of openness. You know, when I laugh with a colleague, they will be much more likely to share a silly idea, you know, because it just creates, a, it, it pulls down the, the judgment veil that we get scared of in our corporate world. And so I'm pretty sure the Apple watch could do it. I mean, it can track all these other things. I don't know why it doesn't track laughter. It's probably more important than steps. So that's it. That's what I would, I would track. And I think it would tell us about culture. It would tell us about our health. It would tell us about our ability to think creatively. And um, now when you think about how do we design a space for that metric, well, that's like a totally different mindset than uh, kind of a more productivity, knowledge-oriented uh, space. I agree. You know, as a pod, we'll jump a bit into the podcasting since you are definitely a professional podcaster for sure. <laughs> is uh, my definition is it's, it's it's really succinct. It's real, meaningful human connection. It transcends all the things we do as a business to measure, like you said, re return on engagement or return on investment or uh, another one I heard that's actually good is cost of inaction, mm. COI, is that real, meaningful human connection. Uh, briefly, if you will, because we're going to come into a break to reintroduce you again, Doug, what does it mean to, to you and how is the impact been to be a podcaster, not just a vice president of research and insights? And how impacting has it been for you to exchange that? Oh, that's, that's huge. I'm glad you asked. That is, that's everything. If I look back on what I would miss if, if I stopped everything I'm doing now from a career standpoint, what would I miss? Of course, you'll miss a paycheck. At the end of the day, you're going to miss that real meaningful human connection. That's it. Um, I, I read a little something from Malcolm uh, Gladwell recently. And I love the, the words he used. I don't know if these are the exact words, but this was the spirit of it, was that your mind craves um, solitude, but your soul needs connection. Mm. And our minds are tricking us if we ever think we can, you know, be alone and do everything we need to do and hang out in our basement every day and feel satisfied. You know, that's just your mind telling you what it wants, but you know, we have to feed our souls. And so I, I do think that real human connection is so critical to work. And that's why I, I do believe, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine a way to feed that without a, a use of place. Right. And it doesn't always have to be um, 
doesn't always have to be placed like a like an office um but you can find that other ways you know in co-working environments or even outside of work you know whether it's church or whatever well answered we're talking today with doug shapiro vice president of research and insights at ofs a sustainable office furniture manufacturer and doug's also a professional podcast host presenter professional Feel free to visit Doug at the OFS office at OFS.com. That's O-F-S dot com. Doug, I'm going to go back to, you, you talked about uh, innovation is living in the what if. Share with your audience today what, what the what if is to you, maybe today, maybe last week, or but at least today. What's the what if for you today? Ooh. The what if for me today, um, what if, here's a, here's a, here's a, a what if that I'll reflect back on. How about that? What if culture allowed us to do everything we were capable of? So I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw back to 2019 where essentially we had all the technology tools that we have today, right? They're not that different. But culture had us working and living a certain way. And I'm going to say maybe 20 years ago, the if you imagined a graph with two lines on it, you have culture and you have how we're working. Uh, you have culture and you have tools, okay, at the very beginning of this graph tools and technology increase at this rapid pace culture just kind of creeps along so now you have a gap between those lines and i think that gap is what we were all feeling in 2020 2019 then the pandemic hits and now all of a sudden culture goes through a massive change it's okay to work differently it's okay to bring your whole self to work right they're all all these it's okay's happened now, all of a sudden, culture bumps up, and we're, we've met. We're actually working and living, for many of us, in the way that we've always been capable of, but we just never allowed ourselves to. So I look back at that, and it's like, well, no one ever asked, like, what if? You know, like, why? What if and why? No one ever asked those questions in the beginning. And so I do think it's important that we acknowledge what happened there. Because now we can be more thoughtful about not letting that happen again to where tools and technology will continue to increase, right? The way we can work and connect um, will continue to change and we just can't let culture just kind of be stagnant. And so that's a, that's a, so otherwise just another gap forms and in that gap will lie frustrations and um, unmet potential and all these other things and a healthy lifestyle that maybe people finally discover. Um, all those things are in that gap. So that's, um, that's something that, that I, so that's a what if that I'm exploring and I'm thinking, okay, well, what, what could form that next gap? And I kind of look at AR and VR as that next thing that culturally, maybe those are things that are really hard to embrace but over 10 years, what those will do for us in terms of what we're capable of, I don't know if we'll actually, if I don't know if culture will allow us to embrace it in the way we could. It'll be interesting to see. 
when you, you say culture allows us, this is a bit of my perspective, and you, you may disagree, is even if it the culture doesn't allow, what if just based on our own courage that we allow ourselves? Ooh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, will we be will we be courageous to kind of fly against what mainstream culture says should or shouldn't be done? Yeah. And how does it affect positively? And I know it's positively affected you being, you know, having a successful podcast and as a professional and personally, if you don't mind personally, but at least professionally, how has it grown you as a person and grown even the businesses that you, you work with and work for, how has it grown you being in podcasting and that real human connection? All right. Well, I've got a, I've got an answer to that first, that second question. Okay. That I think your audience okay. will be able to put in their pocket, keep, take with them. Right. <laughs> this will be a good one. And then in terms of like what I've enjoyed about getting into the podcast world, you know, you, in life, you only get to see the world through your eyes, right? We all, we can, all, we can all only experience the world through ourselves. Um, but I think what's special about a podcast is for 30 minutes, one hour, you're not talking. You're not, you're not even trying to experience. You are literally just seeing and hearing the world and feeling the world through someone else for that one hour, that 30 minutes. And I think that kind of teleportation is what's really special about podcasts and podcasting. Um, and I think that the empathy muscle that that helps create and the doors that, 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 that opens, I think are so special. Um, so that's, that's why I really love what I do is that immersion. Um, in terms of what I have learned, I've learned a lot about communication. And this is what I think has been um, hugely important to my career, to um, to the podcast in general, is this, this code. Um, and I, I may get the numbers wrong, but it's something, um, oh, I kinda, I almost have to look this up really quick. It's um, 37, 7, and 54, I believe. Okay? Those are the key numbers. So 7% of what you get from me in communication is actually what I'm saying. 54% of what you get from me is the nonverbal and that 37% that is how I say what I'm saying or it's 56, 56, 37, seven. Okay. So over half of what you feel for me is, is just my nonverbal communication. I mean, and in a podcast, I know you really, you strip that away. Now, all you really get from me almost, you know, 93% is how I say what I'm saying. And even if you think of the words, thank you, I mean, how many ways can you say that? You know, thanks. And, you know, thank you. Right. So wholeheartedly. And, 
And what I found is that the best communicators, the best guests are the ones that understand that code, that understand those three numbers. And they pour more energy into how they say what they're saying. And they worry much less about what they're saying, because as long as their intent is good and they're speaking from the heart, you know, their message will be felt, literally felt, you know, versus, um, trying to say all the right words so that they could be understood. And that's a big difference. And Tom, I know you, you spend a lot of time with architects. Um, architects have to live in a world of calculation. They're forced to be extremely, I mean, there's lives at stake here, right? They have to make very calculated decision and go through their way, um, picking the right words, being extremely intentional. And they have to be able to move in and out of that world though, because when it comes to communication, communication works in a different way. And so that, that's one of the, the key learnings that I've picked up in terms of like, well, why is this person a great guest and this other person not? Even though maybe the one that wasn't a great guest knew way more information. And that's been the, the code for me. And I, I've enjoyed that. This is fascinating. Really <laughs> excellent show so far. And it will continue to, Doug. We're talking today with Doug Shapiro. Vice President of Research and Insights at OFS, a sustainable office furniture manufacturer. You can find them at OFS.com. And uh, Doug, feel free to talk about your uh, podcast as well, where people may be interested in hearing you. Yeah, sure. So Imagine a Place um, is the name of the podcast. And it's very centered around its name. Um, it's about uh, the power of place, but it's also just about the people around place, the ones that um, are making it, the ones that are affected by it. And we kind of wander off in a lot of different directions there. And I, I really try to focus on guests that can inspire either courage or creativity when it comes to your life and design. And those are the, the two themes that I focus on. And so those can pull me in a lot of different directions. Sometimes it's a life story and I've had some amazing stories. Actually, the, the one that's going to launch here shortly was a woman who um, was a refugee out of Vietnam, escaped as a young child, ended up on a boat to Seattle, um, eventually found herself in interior design. Now she designs cruise ships. So she got here on a boat and now she's designing luxury boats. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. So there's life stories like that. But then there's also um, very practical conversations around, you know, how we can do better in design. I've had, you know, fantastic one with Case Sargent around neurodiversity and understanding that diversity comes in so many forms and, and that the people that use the space, you know, the space needs to have this sort of variety that, that reflects the people in it. And uh, the idea that one color palette or one point of view around um, around uh, audio is would be off. What's the right word? How can I how can I forget this word for audio? Acoustics. There you go. <laughs> one point of view around acoustics or energy or solitude. It doesn't uh, it doesn't translate to everyone. Some people are very hypersensitive and some people are very hyposensitive. So those are the kinds of explorations. Very practical ones like that, and then ones that are very focused on story and courage and and that's been you know it's been 
a lot less difficult to get amazing guests than you would think. And I think that's what I love about this industry. And that's one of the things that actually spurred this podcast was like, wow, I've met so many amazing people. They have stories, they have insights that deserve to be shared. And this industry has no shortage of them. So true. Our uh, public service announcement today for Doug's show is the IIDA. And the IIDA is the Commercial Interior Design Association with Global Reach. They support design professionals, industry affiliates, educators, students, firms, and their clients through the network of 15,000 plus members across 58 countries. Again, for more information, feel free to reach the IIDA.org. That's IIDA.org. Doug, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. Um, What have we not talked about on your show today that you'd like to share with your audience? Um, A couple of things, actually, not just one, but a couple of things that we may not have touched on during your show today. Wow. Um, Well, I I just came back from a a conference uh, called Workspaces. It was in um, Palm Springs, California. And it was a a meeting of some of the top Fortune 100 workplace thinkers in the world and fantastic insights. Um, We had the head of workplace for Slack was there, uh, the head of workplace for Twitter, um, GitLab, which is the largest remote only, uh, company in the world. Then you have, uh, you had, oh boy, who else was there? Uh, people from Genentech. It was, you know, the, the who's who and nobody showed up with the answer. You know, I thought that was interesting. Everybody was trying to get some sort of peer-to-peer learning going on. Um, nobody was nobody was flexing some sort of, this is the silver bullet to many of the predicaments that we feel right now in workplace. Uh, I will tell you, the, uh, there was a general shift from an answer-based mindset to an experiment-based mindset that, that is being embraced. The idea that, well, great design takes observation we haven't had time to observe the way that we've needed to, to design the next workplace, that kind of thing. I don't know that that, that, that tipping point ever occurs. In fact, I, I think about the last two years and the, 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 the kind of change and the thinking and the shifts we've had to do as honestly a, a preview for the next two decades. I mean, I don't think that's slowing down. Uh, yes, some of us will settle into some uh, to some things, but the reality is, you know, competition won't slow down, technology won't slow down. So this is life going forward. You know, it's experimental, it's just disruptive, it's evolutionary. Um, so to think that we will work the same way now that we, you know, that we will ten years from now is is not going to happen. You know, it'll just keep changing. There was actually a quote in the world economic forum. This was a 2021 uh, research. So very fresh. It was about AI and it said 40% 
of office workers felt that their jobs would become obsolete within five years due to AI. That's a huge number. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, I don't think that that number's accurate. But I do think there's something to be said for that collective hunch. And so if you take that 40% and instead of applying it and saying, okay, 40% of jobs are going to go away and you apply that 40% to every job, that's probably about right. I mean, 40% of the way you do your job now will become extinct within five years. Meaning eight years from now or 10 years from now, okay, 10 years from now, your job is basically reinvented itself. And if I think about, you know, marketing now compared to marketing 10 years ago, that's probably true. So that pace might even increase. It might even be, you know, seven years from now where, where we've totally reinvented the jobs that we have now. I mean, there are some core things about, let's say the job as a designer or architect that will always stay there, like the need to kind of understand context and, and that sort of thing. But, but the way we do our work, that will change dramatically. Outstanding. Um, so that's one thing. Okay. What else did I learn at this conference? I mean, I could, I can kind of, here's, so here's, a, here's another little tidbit from Rex Miller. So Rex Miller hosts a podcast called the resilience lab. It's one of the podcasts that I help produce. And, um, he got us to think about work a little differently, just with some very simple analogies. Um, and he said, you know, you know, that feeling when you're with your dog or your pet. And as soon as he said that, I felt that feeling. Like, I know that feeling. I felt it. I feel relaxed. He's like, that, that's serotonin's getting released into your brain. What if when you showed up at work, that was the feeling you had. Like, can we make that the goal? And I was like, oh, that's so true. It's been for so long, it's been okay for the opposite to be true. For us to feel stress, the opposite of relief that we feel from a dog, right? More heart attacks. He, he shared this more heart attacks happen um, on Mondays or have, have happened over the last three decades on Mondays than any other day. And it's stress induced. So heard another little quote that Mondays are becoming the new Fridays. Mondays, people are not going into the office, right? And what are they doing? They're protecting themselves. They're protecting themselves because of the way that place makes them feel. So we have a long way to go despite all the innovation and productivity gains and things we've, we've worked on. We have a long way to go in terms of the way place can make us feel. And it's not all on the backs of design. I mean, not every problem is a nail and design is the hammer. That, that doesn't work. You know, there are things that are cultural and people related and that sort of things, but certainly we have a hand in it. And uh, speaking of that hand, thank you very much, Doug. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure having you on the show. I'd love to have you on again sometime soon. Truly. Thank you. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, this was fun. I'm glad I got to riff with you. Likewise. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad. Today's guest has been Doug Shapiro, Vice President of Research and Insights at OFS, a sustainable office furniture manufacturer. You can find them at OFS 
ofs.com. Again, that's ofs.com. Doug's also an accomplished podcaster, producer. And uh, feel free to uh, let us know how you feel the show is going so far. We enjoy it, definitely. And Doug, again, I want to thank you for engaging in that real, meaningful human connection. Truly. Yeah, I felt it, Tom. Thank you. All right. Thanks again. Hope. Thank you all for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit Cereclad.com.